Hey everyone, welcome to the Metaversity Podcast. I'm Bill Wyman and I'll be your host for this podcast, which is going to be a limited run series on areas that we've all been hearing about. And if you're anything like me, you're wondering about these areas too. Metaverse and NFTs, what are they? Now, before I introduce our guests for today, for the first episode, uh, there are a couple things that you guys should remember or maybe um, this is the first time you're hearing it. First is why Metaverse? So really, you know, everybody's talking about Metaverse. Everybody's talking about NFTs. If you're like me, you sometimes think you know what it is, but really at the end of the day, I have no idea what, what it is or how to use it, what, what good ideas look like in the Metaverse. So I think we could all benefit from hearing from experts and thought leaders and practitioners and asking them things that we really want to know and need to know so that we can move our marketing efforts forward and product development forward. Um, you know, there's things that, that we've read in articles, uh, we've uh, probably listened to podcasts, and they, they just don't get to it. So hopefully, we'll be able to be getting a little bit more depth, deeper understanding, things that we should be considering and thinking about from our guests over the course of the uh, Metaversity podcast. So re- really, just this is going to help us get smart about Metaverse, NFTs, uh, maybe a little bit of Web 3.0, but definitely Metaverse and, and NFTs. The other thing, just to remember, I think you guys all know this, It's uh, this is a private podcast. And we're doing this so that we can have internal conversations. It allows us to be a little bit more free with how we talk about things, things that we might hear. We can go a little bit deeper into some business discussion areas by not making it public. So that privateness is, is a great benefit for us. And also, because it's private, we can have comments and have an interactive um, discussion, if you will, online. So don't forget, every single episode after you listen to it, put your comments down, ask the questions. We do have the opportunity to go back to some of our guests and ask them questions. We also have opportunities for people to answer within our group. So it's a really, it's, it's intended for us to initiate conversations that maybe we wouldn't be having at the water cooler uh, just naturally. So, okay, let's get to it. I wanted to kick things off and this is going to hopefully set the tone for the entire show by speaking with two gentlemen who are basically a walking, talking, four dummies book about the metaverse and, and NFTs as well. And I say that because they help dummies like me uh, understand these things and they are going to hopefully bring a little bit of insight that's easy for us to digest. And they are Gerard Kunkel and Pat Donahue. Hey, guys, thanks for coming in and kicking things off for us. Excellent. Well, thanks very much, Bill, for having us. Appreciate that. I'm Gerard Kunkel. Hey, Patrick Donahue here. Thanks for having us. All right. So now everybody that's out there listening, you can find Gerard and Patrick's bios in the episode description. And trust me, they're the perfect folks to get the ball rolling for us. I've got a ton of questions, but really what I just kind of want to start at the most basic. Can you guys help define or maybe explain what is the metaverse? Yeah, no problem. I'll start and Gerard will pick up the ball. And this is a common question because honestly, you read 10 trade journals, you're going to find 10 different definitions. So what we've defined it as and what's becoming a standard is the metaverse is really, it's a 3D immersive world, not unlike a video game. So if you're familiar with Minecraft or Roblox or Fortnite, it's a, it's a truly immersive 3D world where we can all take on a persona that may or may not look like us. We can walk around, drive cars, climb mountains, fly, do whatever we want. 
but we do that in a truly virtual world uh, on any kind of electronic device you might have, cell phone, computer, whatever. And it gives everybody an opportunity to kind of like literally and figuratively spread their wings and explore, you know, entirely new worlds. And I'd also add to that, Patrick, that we've heard some people say that it's the metaverse, but as we know, there are many metaverses. It may be a term that was coined many years ago describing a fictional place, but as companies have been forming around this decentralized autonomous organization uh, to create a metaverse, there are many of them out there. So it's not just mm -hmm. one solution, there are many, but the principles underneath all of these are the same. Yeah. If you think of Ready Player One, that's that's the, the easiest way. It's a truly virtual world where anything can happen, and, and that's that's really the best way to think of it. So you mentioned Roblox and uh, Minecraft. So are is that actually the metaverse? Is that a, a metaverse, or is that a stepping stone to getting to the metaverse? I'd say these are metaverses because they have created an open landscape of possibilities. Uh, based upon the same underlying technologies. Uh, but the stepping stone you refer to, I think that's a more important question, is that these, in our opinion, Patrick and myself, these are early instantiations of what a metaverse is and can be. And uh, Patrick, I'll let you uh, enhance that. Yeah, well, look, I mean, they are, in the sense of it's a virtual world, there are multiple people logging in simultaneously, interacting in a virtual space. Another thing is these all have economies, which is a really key component mm. because, as we all know, money is kind of an important consideration. So, you know, Roblox has its own currency, uh, which is how people buy and sell things. And, you know, I'm sure many of the people listening to this are dipping their toes into cryptocurrencies and NFTs and blockchain. And, and those are all part of the same story, which is we know that there needs to be an, a real economy so that people, quite frankly, can make money and justify the expense of working in these spaces. And so, again, Roblox is an early example of a, a truly virtual space with multiple users where goods and services can be exchanged. And, and you know, that's becoming a key aspect to all these. Uh, the only the other thing I would say is to Gerard's point, there are many metaverses and there are many standards and We'd like to think that since one day sort of, sort of becomes a standard, but my guess is if it ever happens, it's quite a ways off. So you're going to be dipping into lots of different meta pools, I think, in the next few years. Very helpful. Now, you mentioned NFT. Can you talk just real briefly? What, what is an NFT? I think non-fungible token, I think, is what it stands for. Yep. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but can you give the 30-second the definition of what an NFT is? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because there are so many poor descriptions out there. The reality is that it is simply a marker. It's an indication of ownership, uh, a certificate of authenticity of a single thing. And the reason it's called a non-fungible token is that there are other things in this world that are fungible, uh, like, like currency, like dollar bills. That, that's fungible. You can pass those around. There are lots of them. There are lots of $1 bills, lots of $5 bills. But if you were to buy a Picasso, you are likely to get a certificate of authenticity from the, uh, the trading house that sold that to you. Well, the same is true of an NFT. It is the certificate of authenticity for the thing that you purchased. Got Most it. people misuse the term and call a piece of digital art an NFT. When in reality, yes. the NFT is simply the token indicating that you are the owner of that piece of digital art. Okay. So 
that so helpful because I'm one of those people that see a piece of digital art and say, hey, that's a really cool NFT. But it's really more about the authenticity that allows you to assign value to one of those because I can make 57 copies of the, the digital artwork. And once you start making copies, there's no value to it. But being able to say, no, this is the one, the original, the original Mona Lisa, that gives you true value. And, and you trade these inside of a metaverse? Is that how these work? Or do they actually live in the real world? A little of both. So you can. There are definitely some platforms that are heavily based on NFTs and crypto. Uh, one platform in particular people could check out would be a Decentraland um, you can actually buy NFTs, uh, wearable type items. Uh, there's another platform called Sandbox where Snoop Dogg, the rapper, has made a huge um, destination. And, you know, he's a great marketer and you can go in there and buy Snoop Dogg skins and hats and even the super magic doobie and all this stuff. And, and those, are, those are bought with cryptos and they are limited runs and they are authenticated through NFTs. And I know that uh -huh. sounds all very weird to us older people, but, <laughs> but that's, yeah. that's the world that our kids are living in. Got it. Got it. Okay. So thank you for that uh, kind of level setting for us. So I'm imagining that almost every brand and company is like Harman and JBL, where we're, almost every single meeting, metaverse pops up. Somebody talks about a metaverse. Hey, we got to do a metaverse. We can make money with the metaverse. Let's go do an NFT and it'll be great. But I don't know if we have any idea like how to do it, what's needed to be done. I've heard, I've heard examples of like H&M open up their first store in the metaverse. Like, I'm not exactly sure what that means to have a store there, but all of these things are just starting to pop up all over the place and we're always being asked questions for it. So I, I'm going to go through a handful of questions, but let me start with the first one. Like, what tools or equipment are needed to even go to the metaverse or be part of the metaverse? Uh, that's a great question. Well, first off, uh, the underlying principle is that you need a web browser. So I think just about everyone who's considering this has access to that. Yep. Uh, but then one other thing that's required in almost every case is that you need cryptocurrency and you need a wallet uh, in order to enter these metaverses because the metaverse uh, typically has one, maybe two uh, currencies that they will accept inside that metaverse. So if the objective is for a brand to establish uh, a place where people can come and see their brand, experience their products, or possibly even purchase something, that's all being done with cryptocurrencies. So you have to be in that in order to establish a presence in the metaverse in order to do this type of shopping. Um, and I hope at some point we can talk about the underlying principles of developing products like this, because Patrick and I are product developers for decades and we are pragmatists when it comes to building an experience for a consumer that they enjoy and love. And that's really important for brands, especially for you there, yeah. where you wanna make sure whatever you do in the metaverse is in line with your brand, but also ideally expressing something more, not just taking your in real life products and putting them there, but doing something more, something that's gonna get those people visiting your space excited. And the only thing I would add to that is, is you know, obviously NFTs and crypto are a big part of the metaverse, but, you know, especially a company like like yours, I mean, the branding, the, the amount of money you spend on marketing and, and, and you know, 
awareness of your products, your services, your brand. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of in becoming the cost of doing business for many people to have a presence in these virtual spaces because you go where the where the people are. So everybody from car manufacturers to fashion brands like Gucci to Miller Lite are all building these spaces. They're not making money for the most part in terms of actual transactions, but it's, it's considered a marketing expense, you know, and that's, a, I think, a, a worthwhile consideration. Yeah. So you, you bring up a, a very interesting point, actually, too. The, the idea that this is, at least as of right now, metaverse and the way people are using it, it sounds like it's more for marketing, bringing people to your brand and letting them experience your brand. But, but you said something on top of that, which is, it can't just be, here's your product that's in the real world. Now it's in the metaverse. You need to have something additional, some added value that makes it worthwhile, I'm assuming, to go to the metaverse and experience it. So do, do you have ex any examples of companies or brands that are doing that and doing that well? Yeah, uh, Patrick, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, Gucci? Because I think they are what I would consider a leader in thinking through what the possibilities are. So there you've got a luxury brand with a very recognizable visual image for their logo. And they could have basically brought that to the metaverse, but they decide to go in a number of different directions, including introducing NFTs. And they also produced some of their luxury goods in the metaverse so that if you're familiar with the construction of an avatar, in all of these platforms, you have the ability to customize your avatar to reflect who you are uh, and your personality. But you can also buy clothing that is offered from particular brands. Gucci is one of them. So in this particular case, they decided to create the same level of scarcity and uh, quality in their avatar solutions as they did in the real world. Okay, that's bringing your brand into the metaverse. Yep. But they also created um, videos and additional experiences beyond that, that were NFTs that people could own. And here's the part that really got me excited about what they're doing. They're also bringing products to the metaverse that are not in the real world. So they're mm. extending their brand in the metaverse with the potential for bringing that back to the real world, but using the metaverse as a place to check out what consumer reaction is. Yeah, I think for a lifestyle brand like Gucci, like it, you know, people want to be part of that brand because they yep. love it and they associate certain values with it. And this is just Gucci's way of saying, our audience, our customers are in this space. We want to be there. We want to help them bring the Gucci experience into their virtual world and their virtual life. And they, I think they've done an excellent job. Their marketers also understand that this is a younger audience and that yeah. they may actually be introducing this product to people who do not yet understand or have the ability to buy an in real life uh, version of a Gucci product, but they may become uh, familiar with the brand and love the brand there. Okay. So you said they're building scarcity in the metaverse. How do you build scarcity in the metaverse? I, I'm, I'm trying to think of, hey, I can go get my um, my avatar dressed up in Gucci clothes. How, how is that scarce? Like, I can just go in and buy it, right? We had an experience, actually, Gerard, you had an, a, a scarcity experience with uh, Sandbox and Snoop Dogg earlier today, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, this goes right back to what you were describing, Bill, as you were talking about NFTs at the beginning of our conversation. You can create scarcity by limiting the number of available items. 
So let's say it's a particular purse, or as Patrick was just pointing out, let's say it's a ticket to go visit Snoop Dogg at his metaverse inside of, he's at the sandbox, right, Patrick? Correct, correct. Yeah. So what he did is he had a limited number of tickets to get into his metaverse experience. Those tickets are now being offered through OpenSea, which is a broker of NFTs in the open market for resale. So now hmm. the value of those tickets is going up just like they would with StubHub or any type of ticket reseller for a concert or some other type of event. So the way you create scarcity, you simply limit the number of items you will offer as an NFT into that space. So it gets you into the virtual VIP room effectively, got, which got is, a, you know, again, a, a space that's well known. But again, the scarcity is limited by how many people get allowed, you know, you know, through the ropes. Right. And, and so, quite frankly, it was too rich for my blood. So I have not visited Snoop Dogg's <laughs> land, but uh, maybe Same somebody here. else will. So just coming back to this idea of creating something new in the metaverse, it sounds a little bit like, in the Gucci example at least, they're using the metaverse as a innovation incubator? I agree. And I think, you know, what we're seeing, you know, with the, the customers we work with is the advice that a lot of people are, are, are sort of taking to heart is, this is a place to learn and experiment. It's a very nascent space. It's changing like almost every day. You don't want to miss it, but you also don't want to go in heavily yet because it, nobody knows what it is yet. And so it's a learning opportunity. And, and companies like Gucci are taking chances and, and they know, you know, when you experiment, not all experiments are successful. So, um, but they're learning and, and they're going to be a first mover. And just like any business, being a first mover has its risks and it has its opportunities. So, you know, sure. I think that's that's the right philosophy to have when companies think about what where they want to play in that space. So- I do have a couple other kind of basic questions, just so you, and I, you started to touch on them before. Is there special software? You said you have to have a web browser. You, you mentioned crypto and, and, and a wallet. Is there anything else that, that is required? A lot of times I hear people, oh, metaverse, get your virtual goggles. So does everything have to use virtual goggles? Or, I mean, I see my kids playing Roblox. They're not using virtual goggles. So yeah, I can, I, I can, you know, I build v virtual reality applications and I can start this and then, and Gerard will, will help me finish it off. But, you know, I'm inside my headset a lot, as is Gerard. I also do metaverse types experiences on my phone, on my PC, on my Mac, on my laptop. So it is available everywhere. They're very different experiences. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want mm -hmm. something really powerful and compelling, put on a headset because it is truly immersive. And, you know, I spend a lot of time in, in virtual spaces and, I actually haven't been in the same room with Gerard since before COVID, but we're in virtual spaces all the time. So it's been a fascinating yeah, cool. experience that we still feel this connection of like, oh yeah, I was just with you yesterday, right? I'm like, no, I actually physically haven't been <laughs> with you in quite right. some time. So it's a yeah. different level of engagement. Um, but you know, the downside is, I mean, headset you know, you know distribution is growing and 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 market penetration is growing, but it's still a small portion. So. You know, in general, I wouldn't recommend anyone do a, a VR exclusive type experience unless you're after that very specific market. But it is the best experience. It just happens to be the smallest sort of uh, market, I would say. You're also going to find that in a VR environment, you won't have access to places like Decentraland, Sandbox, etc., because these are part of that Web 3.0 concept called a decentralized autonomous organization. Uh, and as such, 
they don't necessarily fit well with what Meta is putting out in their Quest environment uh, mm. or other solutions that are yep. run by large commercial tech or media companies. Um, but I think what you'll see down the road is um, a convergence of these things in the future, whereas Patrick pointed out, the quality of the experience when using a VR set of goggles is really remarkably uh, better than simply looking at a 2D screen because you get a feel for the three dimensionality. And as Patrick pointed out, there's a presence that you can get from VR that you can't get from a 2D computer screen or your phone or a tablet. Got it. That's great. Hey, let me let me ask you a question about um, pitfalls for, for brands to go into the metaverse and start doing this. Like I'm envisioning myself telling them, Hey, everybody, let, let's, you know, let's jump in there and we're going to show our product and people are going to be able to take it apart and see the transducers inside. And uh, that may or may not be a good idea, but w what, what are some pitfalls that people just like, like the marketers that my team is, and they're listening here, what do we need to watch out for? What, what are, what are missteps that oh, have man. happened that we can learn from? Hmm. Yeah, we may need a whole another hour or two for this one. But, <laughs> I'm um, sure. Patrick, why don't we talk about that financial institution and just leave their name out of it? Because you and I both visited this location independently. We came back to each other and we were left completely cold uh, by what they had created. Uh, and it looked like they put a fair amount of time into creating something in one of these metaverse locations. Um, so if you can imagine people coming to visit their brand in that space, you're conveying the, the basic story, mission, and quality of your company. But in this particular case, while the branding colors were correct, for the most part, and the logo looked okay, it was basically one giant, there's nothing here. Oh, wow. um, so why would I waste my time here? Uh, when it's compared to some of the more lively brands out there that are doing fully engaged experiences. Patrick, I think you had a similar experience to me, did you not? Yeah, I mean, the pitfalls, I think, are common when you have a new technology that no one really knows how to use it yet. And, and, and this will evolve based on, you know, some of the other hype curves we've seen. But in the case of this financial uh, destination, virtual destination, they sort of they kept thinking, my, my sense is they kept thinking of it as a physical space. And so what they did is they inherited all the limitations of a physical space. But yes. why? Why are you making me go up a curved staircase to go look at something? I'm in virtual reality. I can fly. I can teleport. You know, what, what, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So right. they added all this laboriousness. Like we have stairs in real life because I only own so much land and I'm going to build a three-story building. It's, it's, so, so, so they sort of took on all these, these limitations of reality, which are completely unnecessary. And I find this in lots of things. I'll go to these virtual trade shows and they're making me walk across the entire trade show. I'm like, what? This is virtual reality. Why are you making me do this? You know? So I think, you know, again, it's a new technology and, and we're all learning. We're creating a new vernacular, new ways of interacting. And so this is a sort of a normal sort of stumbling and process, but I think, with anything we've done, you got to just keep thinking about the user, keep thinking about the user experience, keep thinking about what is it someone's trying to accomplish and is what I'm doing, and quite frankly, what's the company trying to accomplish? So in the yeah. case of this financial yeah. institution, they're in theory trying to get information out. It does a terrible job of that because there's very little information and they make you work really hard for it. So I can't imagine it really satisfied any of the goals that they were trying to, other than if their one goal was to say, we're in the metaverse, we're really cool. Right. Okay. They got a good press release and that's, that's fine. Maybe that's all they wanted yeah. out of it. 
Yep. All right. So th this next question is, um, it's kind of core to everything that we are going to go do as a brand for JBL. And it's it just, I mean, it comes down to the super basic. Like, how do I get started? What do I need? What do I need to do? What, hmm. What's what's kind of like the first steps that we should be taking? I, I, maybe this is the first step is just trying to learn a little bit more. But what's next? How, how do I get this going? So, Bill, I, I love that question because it feels to me like it's just like any type of product development where you have to have a vision in mind as to what you're creating, and that vision has to be expressed uh, in traditional terms of what is our north star. What's the value proposition? Who is our audience? Uh, what do we expect them to get out of this experience? And I suppose like any type of uh, experiential marketing exercise, it can't just be about creating a thing. It has to be about creating that experience. Mm -hmm. So it's a little more complicated possibly than doing a traditional product, but it's probably much more like creating software. And then the other problem is that you need to choose where you're going with this because there are multiple metaverses out there and what you create for one of them isn't necessarily going to work in another. And for many of these, you need a place to do this. So you're going to have to potentially buy real estate in order to stand up your experience. Okay. So there are a number of factors there. So it comes down to good product work, which starts with good planning, uh, and then probably uh, put together some prototypes so that you can test it out with some consumers and understand if they're enjoying the experience, they're getting the value out of it that you expect them to get out of it. What I would add is, is stay curious, be curious, don't be afraid to explore. That's my process. I just try everything because I, I get inspired by it and it opens my mind. Uh, when I had a friend start an NFT company, I had to buy my first NFT and boy, it was a rough go. And uh, so I, as much as maybe that's not the right way to sell it to the people listening, you know, try to set up a wallet, try to buy some crypto and buy an NFT because that is the future. And it's, it's, I, we both found it to be challenging, but we got through it. And again, it enlightened us because we go, okay, there's ways to do this better. Right. And so yeah. similarly, I, I, I just think, try this stuff. There is a ton of free things out there to try. Uh, it can be as simple as Roblox or Minecraft or Fortnite, you know, I think all of which are free going yep. into Decentraland, you know, there are just, just, you know, really try it. If you can get your hands on a VR headset, even better, because there's a ton of free stuff there, both to just try it, walk around, explore, meet people, talk to people. And I think you'll find it's actually pretty exciting. And then if you want to start building, you know, um, there are free tools. If you happen to be the kind of person who wants to build their own experiences, uh, there are many, many, many free tools available to, to build things. And so they're really, the only barrier for entry is just time and, and, and focus and, and your desire to kind of learn. Yeah. You, you know, you, you said something that I absolutely love, which is go try stuff. You might not get it right, but that's okay. Brush yourself, brush yourself off and keep trying stuff because, mm -hmm. um, it, there, there's probably, there's probably not the, Hey, the first time we go and do this, is it going to be perfect? Uh, highly unlikely and, and maybe not even desired. We need to use this as a learning platform as well. And uh, so along those lines of learning platforms, how, how should we be a ton of ideas come our way? Uh, almost every day, I mentioned this before, almost every day there's an idea for the metaverse being put in front of us or, or we're discussing what could we do in the metaverse. So when ideas do come to us, do you guys have any tips or tricks for how to evaluate the good ideas or the bad ideas? But 
how should we be thinking about when somebody comes to us and say, hey, Bill, we think you should have a JBL store in the metaverse. What do I need to look for? How, how do I evaluate? How do I, is there a checklist that I need to go down? You know, that's a great question because I don't believe there are good standard metrics to work with. You have to establish what your own metrics are going to be for such an experience. And as much as you can, prototype and test. Uh, as Patrick was pointing out, create, try, experiment, etc. cetera. Um, it would be great in like the digital advertising space. You can simply point to the well-established metrics and see how many visits you're getting. Uh, but of course, in this space, I don't think that you could expect large numbers of visits. I was just looking at something this morning by um, Logitech, I think sponsoring a concert, uh, and their numbers look pretty good, but their numbers are amassed over a period of time. I mean, I believe they got some 800,000 visitors, but at any given time, they may only have a few hundred people. And mm. if you go and look at some of these metaverse experiences today, uh, that financial institution you mentioned before, they may have three or four people uh, going through at any given time. Uh, it's not much of a draw. But in the entertainment space, in your space, you are likely to get much larger numbers of people visiting. Uh, I still go back to what Patrick was saying, which is to experiment, to put it out there without great expense and see what you got. You know, what I would say, having been you know an executive at a big company where you get those pitches constantly from vendors and suppliers and tech companies, and there is that temptation that the shiny object, you go, oh, that's cool. I want to try that. You know, and I, and I think over time, I learned to make sure whatever those pitches were, how did they ladder back up to the sort of strategic goals or the departmental mm -hmm. goals? And, and, and because it is so easy to get distracted and there's so much out there and there's just, it, it's a lot. And we, none of us want to miss those opportunities, but you know, you, to your point, you have to be selective. So I always look at, well, you know, where does, again, how does this ladder up in the case of the financial institution, if they truly just want to be seen as a tech leader, and they want a good press release, and maybe they want to learn, then I think they were successful. If their goal was to drive uh, heavy utilization and awareness for customers and actually provide real learning value, it was a total failure. So it really depends on kind of what the lens that they uh, applied to it. And so I think as long as you're clear, because you know, to Gerard's point, you're not going to get huge numbers today in, in most cases, yep. but you may get really meaningful learnings or really valuable um, experiences. Um, and, and you just have to kind of know going into it, what expectations, you know, to set for those things. So gentlemen, we're coming to the end. If you were me, is, th is there any other question that I should be asking you? I, I've, we've, we've had a great conversation. You've shared a lot of really good thoughts, but did I miss anything? I would say that the one question that should be asked now and probably many years into the future is, where is this going? And this is the question that Patrick and I continually ask ourselves because we both believe that this is extremely important uh, for brands, for marketers, uh, for entertainment, for many areas of business today. And the reason is, is that we recognize what is still the very, very early days of this type of technology being applied to a concept called a metaverse. And when you look at the ev evolution of technology, uh, both in the past and where we believe it is going in the future, this is going to get so much more deeply engaging than we see today. But mm -hmm. those early learnings that you talked about and you asked about in this conversation are really important to set the stage for what is coming. 
much higher fidelity graphics, uh, both on a PC and in a VR headset. The aggregation of these services into uh, more and more headsets so that that fully immersive experience will become available in some of these other platforms that don't have it today. That's all coming. Patrick, any of your prognostications? Yeah, it's happening. It will not be at all what we think it is today, but it will be something really cool. I think standardization uh, is important because there's so much fragmentation, it will limit the industry. And, you know, everyone knows VHS versus Betamax, or some people know, a lot of people maybe <laughs> haven't heard of Betamax, but yeah, yeah. Ima imagine there's 20 of those because that's, you know, the number of different cryptocurrencies and different platforms. So, as much as there's a temptation from a company like Meta to establish their own standards, it's ultimately a bad idea because this is effectively going to be Web 3.0. Somebody already coined that term, but that's real, right? This is the next generation of the web, and that has to rely yeah. heavily on standards and sort of interoperability. So I think that's important to think about as people are building the future. Well, Gerard, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on and kicking off this series with me. I really, really appreciate it. Super insightful, I think incredibly helpful. I'll, I'll let you know in a couple of months <laughs> as we start to kick this off if it really was. But no, this was great. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so Bill. much. Okay, everyone, I hope you found this discussion as helpful as I did. Of course, if you have any thoughts or more questions, please put them down in the comment section. We will do our absolute best to get the answers. And uh, once again, thanks everybody for listening. What the